Happy Monday, Liberty Kitty Cats. And before we get into today's episode, which is another edition of Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. By gosh, that's two weeks in a row. Can my liver handle it? Stay tuned and find out. But I digress because first I need to tell you about our friends at Lauren Zotti Italy. These guys are not only great coffee connoisseurs and entrepreneurs. They're also libertarians. They're also listeners of this show. They are also Patreon supporters of this show. So they are the kind of person that you want to support. So if you are a coffee drinker, I know Brian's been talking about these guys the last few weeks. If you are a coffee drinker, please do head over to laurenzotti.coffee. That's laurenzotti.coffee, not .com. Use discount code LIONS at checkout for 10% off your order. And what's great about these guys, they don't just sell coffee. They also help people set up their own coffee shops. They have financing. Uh, they can rent equipment. They do so much to not only provide coffee for people, but also to help set up other people as entrepreneurs in that same space. What an awesome concept. So please do head over to Lauren Zotti, L-O-R-E-N-Z-O-T-T-I, laurenzotti.coffee. And don't forget to use discount code LIONS for 10% off your order. What are you guys drinking up there? Up there? Down there? Down south? Charlie, what you got? Down south. I'm drinking a nice little bourbon. It's a little watered down at the moment. That's fine. I'll take care of that. It's a uh, it's a bullet bourbon. Just a nice little tasty delicious. Nate? Do you like it? Is it good? I bought it and then I remember that he doesn't like bullet bourbon, so he's trying to be nice right now. It's all right. It's not good. It's not he my doesn't favorite, like it. yeah, but it's not a bad bourbon. He doesn't like it. And then um, I've not got bullet. You know, I picked, you know, you asked me if I wanted to do L-I-L-D-L and I said, yeah, that sounds awesome. I've always wanted to do that. Um, I've been sober now for two years. So I have a uh, Heineken double zero. Wowie, which wowie. Is, uh, real nice right here. It's actually not that bad if you, if you miss the taste of beer and you still want to taste a beer. You know, and it could do that mental thing where your your brain is used to the taste of beer. So maybe when you drink it, you know, while you're not having the f- physiological effects per se, uh, that you're trying to avoid, perhaps, you know, you just might get that old timey feeling of kicking back and chatting and like, you know, yeah. late night. And the good I did days. just take an Ambien, so I should still get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, don't, get, don't get all Roseanne on us there, Nate. <laughs> um, we'll see what you guys going to do. But yeah, folks, I am here with our good friends, Nate Thurston and Chuck Thompson from Good Morning Liberty, where you wake up every single morning. Sometimes it's the afternoon, sometimes it's late morning. You never really know when the thing's going to land, but the spirit is there, bringing liberty to the masses every single day. Well, not every single day. You take the weekends off, but five days a week, and now you're here on our Nittany Level show. This is a, a very special very special occasion here because you get all the perks at being at the Aslan level, including the perks of the, the Nittany Level members, which means you get to produce a show, and uh, you're producing this, LALDL, where we are going to chat about whatever the heck you guys want. So... I, feel I don't want to do any work today. That's the whole point of this. This, this little. Thing. <laughs> we'll we'll take it from here. Great. What are you? I'm just going to go way? on mute. Okay. See, this is the stuff I always forget to do myself when I'm hosting. I forget to bring up what I'm drinking. So this is great. Yeah. Handing off the baton to some actual professionals here. Uh, but I'm actually <laughs> drinking a couple of things. Whiskey wise, I do have a Kentucky bourbon. I've got some Evan Williams, some old classic, about ten dollar an eighth Evan Williams. Spritzing that around. 
I also have some over there. I've got some uh, Angry Orchards. I just like to drink some cider sometimes. I know I can't have too many or it will cause uh, a massive sugar hangover in the morning. But it's something nice to sip on between my whiskeys. And then I also have, I thought I had one. I, I guess I know myself uh, too well. I also have two giant jugs of water in here. Nice. Because I know <laughs> that I must hydrate. Hey, I have to tell you, have you had uh, Truly or White Claw? Mm. I've had White Claws before, yeah. I don't like them very much. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> Great story. The White Claws. <laughs> I like but the idea of them. Kind of like Angry Orchard, right? Truly, like if you're outside at a pool party or at the lake or something like that, I think Truly's are absolutely delicious. The, the White Claws, terrible. <laughs> but if you like Angry Orchard, I think you would love a Truly. It's a cider type uh Cider type deal? No, it's cider than the. Uh... No, they have like it's like hard lemonade, and then they got like black cherry and stuff like that. But it's kind of like a, I guess a spritzer almost. It's like if you had bubbly or, bubbly or something like that, right? right. Only if it had alcohol in it. Exactly. So exactly, it's better from what well, I hear. For, yeah, from what you. I hear. don't know. I haven't <laughs> actually had. Truly them. came out after you turned sober. That's true. Mm-hmm. Then you mm-hmm. couldn't possibly know. I had no, yeah, I had no idea, but I hear that they are pretty good. Yeah, I had to go, had to go pretty sober there for a minute. Once Charlie had to know how heavy I was by physically picking me up off of the pavement, um, we we decided we came to a group decision uh, that that I I was no longer to have anything that that the drug companies had not paid the FDA to get pushed through. <laughs> and so now I can only have FDA prescribed mind altering. So you said, Nate, you referred to Nate going sober. Like he joined Antifa. It was like ever since he, uh, ever since we lost him to, uh, those other guys, <laughs> it, it was me. Him and sobers all decided <laughs> <laughs> family decision. Right. Right. You know, we did the uh, music thing for a while, traveling around playing some music. And, um, it is true. That will cause you to drink a little bit extra. Just a little bit because you don't ever have to do anything. Uh, you know, you, you do something for like two hours and then you don't have to do anything again until except drive, except for drive. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm told that's, right. that's, that's what you got to do. But uh, you don't have to do really, you don't have any responsibilities until like 6 p.m. the next night. So like, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to, f- you're going to drink vodka. That's what you're going to well, do. Actually, I can say one of the reasons I left the road um, among many, but one of them was because of all the drinking. I, yeah. I was coming to a place where it's like, I don't think I understand who I am anymore because it <laughs> literally, deep, deep I know, I know it was literally like you would, I mean, you would play a show. Like, let's walk through a typical day of, of tour life, right? You play a show and it's awesome. And then, <laughs> uh, well, before that you're drinking and then you play a show. It's awesome. And then everybody's drinking and partying afterwards and you're partying until, at least two o'clock in the morning, if not four or five or six. That sounds then, wonderful so far. Right. Then you pass out for a few hours while someone else is driving, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you arrive at the next venue and you wake up and you like load in and do a sound check. Uh, but you start drinking while you do that. Mm-hmm. Are there any you, showers in here or is this just a straight? Every once in a while. Back loop. Yeah. Every oh. once in a while. Most a of the time it, it re- you have the same pants, the same shirt. Same thing on for a long time. And you just do that drinking thing uh, every single day for months. And then you can you could easily end up being, and, I, and some people can handle that and some people can't. And inside of that, some people is me, for sure. <laughs> Unlike Nate, our band had a really, a pretty good tour manager. And so we actually got to <laughs> deal with Anytime Fitness. 
We all got we free. We got the same deal with Anytime Fitness. Because of our tour manager. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We actually yeah. got a free membership with Anytime Fitness. So, and they have like what? What was it? Like 5,000 locations? Yeah, that's a lot. Across the United States. So we got to shower and work out for free while we were out there. So that's pretty The cool. showers, the free showers is the key there, I think. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the, the workout's nice, but you know. You park in the Anytime parking lot and you go shower then or you just shower in the morning before you leave or whatever. And yeah. it's really good. Some people work out, but that's not for me either. I found <laughs> after a while. Just more booze. That's not the path. Neither no. booze nor exercise. There is another way. So it, I guess podcasting. Uh, yes. <laughs> now we are on to our true love, which is but, um, fighting yeah. for liberty. I do want to let you guys take the reins. You do pay us money. So that, that is fair. But I, a couple things. First of all, again, I'm so bad at this. When I hand off the reins, I forget some of the key things. Are you guys ready to roar? Yes. yes. <laughs> is that what you're supposed to do? It's only seven do. minutes late, but you know. Okay. Yeah, I'm slipping in my old age. I'm, all, I'm almost 40 now. I, I don't always well, remember the roars right away. All right. So, uh, so Charlie and I, uh, we're in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, Nashville is the healthcare capital of the world. It's got uh, two of the, the biggest hospital-owning companies in, more than in that, all the world. Actually. It's in a lot more. Yeah. And, but it's got... The two really big ones, HCA and CHS, are both located out of here. Um, so, so Charlie's been in the healthcare industry for a bit, and now I'm taking some part in that as well. Before that, we were playing music, doing all that kind of stuff, traveling around, and uh, and now we do the podcast every day. We uh, we day trade every morning, and we and we and we work in the healthcare industry. So, um, mm-hmm. what Charlie does mainly, Charlie is is basically work on efficiency for healthcare companies so they can navigate all the insane waters that the government has set up for them to, to navigate through. So it's all jumping through all the, all the hoops all the time to try and get paid. That's of our completely non-free market healthcare system that we have. Oh yeah. Contrary to popular belief. (laughs) It's so free that literally the, the entire job and the business that we have just exists because it is so hard to actually get paid if you're a hospital. But isn't the uh, isn't the free market responsible for the healthcare companies controlling uh, you know controlling the system? Oh, of course. Says Johnny, uh, you know Johnny Commonplace. <laughs> Johnny Commonplace. <laughs> well, it, listen, bad. There are bad people inside of every system, and anytime you set up a system where those people can have power, the people that want that power and can abuse it are going to take advantage of that. So I definitely think there's plenty of room where, I mean, you see the insurance companies writing the Affordable Care Act and you, uh, you definitely see people who are really big in the game. I'm sure they love a lot of this regulation. What was you know? AOC's tweet we talked about the other day where she completely contradicted herself? I mean, she literally, she made a tweet that says that the, the lobbyists who control Congress uh, in the healthcare system and then went on to say, our capitalist healthcare system. I was like, hang on, you got those two things mixed up because you can't say that there are people who control Congress over our healthcare system and then say it's a capitalist healthcare system. Well, she said that our, that our healthcare system was being controlled by people in Congress <laughs> and that it was blaming it on a capitalist system. I was like, no, that a, a capitalist system is not being controlled by regulators in Congress if it's an actual free market capitalist system. But anytime you set up someone who can have uh, any type of power like that, I mean, people are people are going to do it like anything else. So yeah, I'm sure some healthcare companies have taken advantage of of some of that power. But you, you're not gonna you're not gonna take away the power by making rules against power or by giving other people power. 
sure. you're 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 going to have to take away the actual power structure itself. And it's the system in place. It's this power structure itself that allows those companies to control the to control the system, to write the laws, to manipulate it through regulations. And you know, it's not the free market, even though they are free market companies. The the methods that they're using are not free market, and that's really the I think the, the common misconception that people have out there that they see the power of these quote unquote free market companies. Uh, they see them raking in money. They see them controlling the system. But somehow there's that disconnect. How do we kind of take that leap to people and kind of show them like, no, this is not the free market at all um even though these are you know supposedly free market companies the way they're controlling things is really you know what you might call fascism or crony capitalism or what have you well and i think to understand you know the economic definition of of fascism is private owned and government controlled and so the healthcare market along i would say with the banking system but i think the healthcare market has the the most regulations we haven't been able to count them but there's hundreds of thousands of pages they they measure them pages they measure them pages Hundreds of thousands of pages uh, in like, what, size five font probably? Very small font with three columns on each page. Three columns on each page. They only measure them by how many new pages they added. Right. Yeah. So there has to be millions of regulations. And I know probably, I probably know like 1% of what (laughs) actually is there, but I've been able to build a company that um, helps uh, healthcare companies develop software that allows them to navigate uh, the many uh, you know, dire regulations that uh, pin them down. Um, I was reading, or I pulled up an article from from Bloomberg that kind of hit the nail on the head that gives you a pretty good statistic of how convoluted just the billing process of, of healthcare is. And it says that uh, some health clinics, they actually employ more clerks than they do care providers. And that's because they need to uh, not only generate invoices, but they have to send along the patient information Insurers need to approve treatments to dispute insurer decisions, deny payment, fix mistakes, handle patients' questions, and on and on. For every $1 billion in revenue, the healthcare system employs the equivalent of 770 full-time people to settle the bills. That's almost eight times more than other industries. Just the bills. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. So you were asking about, I mean, the the power, it's, it's the same with with all the other things that we talk about. I mean, we have people make the mistake of assuming that because a business is operating inside of the market that they like competition. And that's, that's actually not the truth at all. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure people inside of the healthcare market are no different from people inside of every other market that they want to do whatever they can to make it harder for their competition. And uh, well, and just like everything else we're seeing in, in let's say America's capitalism is you're starting to see fewer and fewer massive companies that are buying up all the smaller companies. And it's because who can afford the regulations? Well, it's the giant companies that can afford the regulations. So of course they don't mind when they're passed because they're the ones that can afford all the people and all the software and all the technology to navigate all of the, the rules and regulations. They can so afford Charlie. Right. They can afford companies <laughs> yeah. like mine. Yeah. And, and, and not, only, not only that, but if they do make a mistake and they get fined, they can afford the fines. Right, Whereas right, right. your mom and pop shop can't afford a $300 million fine for Medicare for messing up. Right. If I start Lions of Liberty health insurance, like, you know, I'm, I'm screwed. If one, one mistake, it's over. Right. One, one thing goes wrong. And you're, that's and you're why gonna, we've stayed out of the health insurance biz so far, but <laughs> that's, that's the main, <laughs> that's if it wouldn't have been for that, then that would have been your main, not the complete lack of experience or understanding. That's why I just developed the technology. They're the ones that actually do all the work. Yeah. <laughs> we should have just hired you. We should have just hired you to create our healthcare. Maybe we should. Still, <laughs> we still should. We'll talk off air about Lions of Liberty health. 
I'm for hire. Yeah. One of the most one of the most egregious things that we talk about a lot, and I'm sure you guys have spent time on our certificate of need laws, which is is just an insane concept. Like if you want to talk about how we have a free market healthcare system, ask yourself why a a hospital would need to get permission from the government before they build a new facility. And if they want to build a new facility, not only do they have to get permission from the government, but their competition can take them to court and challenge their petition to build that new facility and, and argue that there's actually not a need for that new facility. Like there's not a right. pandemic. What, a, what, a, like what, what an amazing free market that is. Yeah, is isn't that just awesome? It's the cartelization of the industry where, you know, there are certain certain uh, powers that have put certain things in place to protect themselves, That were, whether it's doctors through the AMA or what have you, uh, who have, and the hospitals with all the regulations about, you know, like you said, certificate of need. Uh, these are all just ways to keep competition out and and ways that keep prices up while everyone out there is shouting and screaming from the roof about the free market causing you know high medical prices. But it doesn't take much. It really doesn't take much at all to look behind the behind the curtain and actually see what's going on here. Well, it's the the CON thing is what I've found a lot of people can get behind because they argue that it's it's better for the patients and it's better for the people. But I can't I can't find anyone that can actually tell me why it's better for people that you stop someone from building another facility. It, my my wife worked on a CON for a year for for HCA, uh, and uh, that's who who she works for. So we get all she kinds works of juicy, for an evil for an evil 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 corporation. corporation yeah. yeah, and um, so she's a financial analyst for them, and I get all kinds of inside details that are legal that are legal inside details for sure. And um, she worked for a year on a CON because they were they were trying to build a new building and. I mean, you're talking teams of people and lawyers and all time going in and out of court, literally going to court because the other hospitals in the area were trying to stop them from being able to build this new freestanding ER unit and arguing that there was really no need for them to be able to do that. And I think her specific one, they ended up approving. She had a colleague that worked on one for over a year and it didn't get approved. And you got to ask yourself how much time and money and resources went in to just trying to get permission to be able to build the thing. It's cra- when Just imagine when they started to build it, what the pile of expenses are uh, already on top of that and lawyers and, and people like my and wife. Then who and ends her up, and then who ends up paying for that? The patient. Taxpayers, patients, everybody. <laughs> all of us in some patients. way or another. Yeah. We're all the same kind of, thing at this point, huh? Yeah. The people. Pretty much the same thing. So it's just nuts. I mean, the, the idea that we have a, a free market in healthcare, it's, it's one of the more obvious things that people, I mean, if anyone says that, they, they have no idea what they're talking about at all. And maybe some bad actors had something to do with this transitioning. But I mean, you, you know the history of how long this has taken to, to destroy. It goes all the way back to the early 1900s when they started dismantling the whole healthcare system. And we're, you know, we're getting to a bad point with it right now. But the answer isn't take another step further into more government, you know. You can see the chart of expenses just just completely explode when Medicare came into play for what it was costing per per capita for healthcare. And the idea that somehow we could get the government involved in healthcare and everything would get cheaper. I don't have any I don't have any examples of the government taking over something and making it cheaper. Not even they, one. Not even one. There's gotta be something. Not I I can't fake moon landings? 
there's that's way that, that was probably more expensive actually real moon landings yeah that they did cut costs when that when it comes to that but they they'll fake you out by making it look cheaper because they subsidize the price and they cover it so it looks cheaper to you sure, but sure. the the actual cost of it i don't know if i can see anything other than the dollar that's gotten cheaper since the government took it over I, I don't really know. That's the only thing that's actually gone down in value since that, since that time, I'm pretty sure. But there's all, I don't know, man, where do you want to, where, where do you want to go with, with how, how screwed up everything is right now? <laughs> well, think, you want to talk more yeah, regulation? I want to say, obviously, I'll give you, you know, one example. And of course, everyone knows this, but I'll just give you an example. And of course, like we've asked, we've obviously made massive technological advances and those things cost money and things like that. But just to give you a simple rate of inflation. Um, you know, you can quickly find if you do a Google search how much it costs to have a baby, which is a normal thing that hospitals every almost every woman goes to a hospital have a baby. And in 1943, it was twenty nine dollars. Cost you twenty nine dollars in 1943, and in today's money with inflation, that would be about four hundred and thirty two dollars. Now, mm. of course, we've made massive improvements and and everything like that. But to think that cost that, that having a baby you know, when my son was born, uh, the, the hospital bill and paying the doctor and all of that was a, about $25,000. So you go from all the technological advances really are, do we think that costs $24,500 you know, for all of the advances in, that we've made? Or do you, is the price severely well, severely inflated. Let me ask you this. This is another this is another thing. When you hear people talk about how much things cost in our healthcare system, you have to make a di- you have to differentiate between how much things cost like what did the hospital bill out and what did the hospital actually receive? Because those are two very different things. I I happen to know that say the biggest hospital in Nashville if I knew someone that worked there and knew what <laughs> some of their numbers were, that they they collect on less than 20% of the bills that they send out in a year. They collect on less than 20% of the money. So where the, and, where's the rest of that money going? Well, they, they write it off. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's just it's, yeah. and, and so it's Fugazi. You, you got to make sure that when we're talking about what things cost, that that is an actual number that someone pays. Like before you can even have the conversation about how expensive this is, you got to actually make sure you're talking about the number that someone actually pays because you said 25,000. What do you think you actually paid, Charlie? Oh, we, I think we paid about 4,000 to 5,000 out of pocket. What do you think the hospital wrote off out of that? Or what do you think the insurance probably had a, had a contract on that? I'm sure. I bet the insurance probably paid two or 3,000. Yeah. So right there, you have something like a $25,000 bill that may be the hospital. And of course, does that include your separate physician? Expense that was physician, and okay. ultrasounds, so all that, that. That maybe there was an actual exchange of seven or $8,000 that, that took place. And the rest of it's all written off. But the number that you're going to hear from even Charlie right there is $25,000. And let me give you another personal example because uh, I like personal examples. I think they tell cool stories. <laughs> you really utilize this healthcare system a lot too. I, do. I had, uh, that's why, that's why love it so I, much. well, I actually hardly ever go to the doctor, but I did have to have ear surgery January of this year. It seems like it was so long ago. Yeah. But literally the first January week, seems like a lifetime ago. At this point. I know <laughs> there was no pandemic back then. <laughs> There's a totally different world. A whole new world. If you'd have known about this, you wouldn't have got that damn, that damn ear <laughs> replaced. Who would have cared? What a waste. 
but <laughs> why replace an ear when you got this stuff going on? But I had to have an ear surgery, and and um, and I do not have insurance, and so and I but I understand the insurance and the I obviously understand the billing market. So what I do is you can actually still do this, and anyone can do this. Actually, you can call around, and if you ask them what their charge codes are. Um, you can actually get what the prices that they'll charge you will be if you pay cash. So that's, that is available if you call and ask. Now you're not going to get a menu like you would at McDonald's, but you can call and ask. And so I'd have ear surgery and my surgeon performed this surgery at three different locations. So I called the three different locations to get the best price. You had to go to three different locations to get your new ear? No, I just called. <laughs> you he he went does shopping for a new ear? <laughs> okay. He does. Yeah. Okay. He is. Well, see, that's another thing we can talk about, deal. by the way, because physicians have to be associated with certain facilities. Of course. You can't just do ear surgery anywhere. It can mm-hmm. only be one of those three locations that he's affiliated with. Um, and he also has to be affiliated with certain payers to accept the payers. And, and there's a whole another provider. Why can't he just come to your house and do ear surgery? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> not really joking. They should allow. I mean, that should be something that's allowed. It I mean, could be allowed, be allowed to. They may right. have mobile units where they can come. Maybe you come into the van and they just have the setup right there. I don't know. Well, We'll never know unless that stuff is allowed, you know. I, Lions of Liberty mobile ear surgery. You just do pop up tents outside of businesses. Lions of ear surgery, everybody. <laughs> so, so I mean, provider enrollment is a whole nother thing we can go down. We don't have time for, it, but but uh, we already anyway, don't have time. We, wow, that that really <laughs> not, not for all the other stuff we're discussing. But until next time, live long <laughs> and, and uh, replace your ears here at Lions of Liberty ear surgery. Mobile so I called, I called, it was a surgical center, a hospital and something else. So I called the hospital because if something were to happen, obviously if something were to happen, you have to be able to go into emergency surgery somewhere or whatever. So I called the hospital and I asked them what their charge was, what their day rate room charge was for, um, for my surgery. And the guy quotes on the phone, $55,000. And I said, excuse wow. me. Wait, I said, daily? I'm paying cash. Just- and he goes, he goes, oh, sorry, uh, that was if you have insurance. He's like, our cash customers, it is uh, $4,322 or something like that. Still a lot, but... <laughs> Still a lot, but think about that but, difference yeah. if you have insurance. And that's because all of your insurance companies are contractual. Uh, they have contracts with all these facilities. So whatever the hospital actually bills, they know they're never going to get paid that amount ever. They know that they're going to be paid a percentage which actually screws the patient over, by the way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for instance, let's say you have, make it easy, $10,000 in charges, right? And you have great insurance, uh, but you haven't met your deductible yet. This is your first thing that has to happen and you haven't met your deductible. And let's say your deductible is $1,000, okay? And you've got really good insurance. You've got 90-10, right? The insurance covers 90%. You only have to pay 10%. Well, so you get charged $10,000. Your portion is 10%. So you're going to pay $1,000. And the insurance is going to cover the the nine, right? Wrong. They have they're contractually adjusted with the hospital to only give them twenty percent. So they're going to pay the hospital two thousand. You paid a thousand. So is that really ninety ten insurance? No. <laughs> or is it? Or is that? Uh, what would that be? This is some fuzzy math here. Yeah. So you actually, what ends up happening is you pay a third. The price ends up being inflated. So your twenty percent is a higher amount. And then they can get whatever their actual contract is with the insurance company exactly. afterwards. Yes. And of course, none of those all. prices are based on any kind of free market activity in the first place on top of this. No, no, no not whatsoever. I had, 
uh, I severed a tendon in my finger and I had to have that all stitched up and I didn't have insurance and I went and got an MRI and it cost me $250 to get an MRI for me to, for me to be able to do that. Just cash pay. I mean, what do you think they were actually going to charge if I would have had insurance? 2000 At least 2000 yeah. More than like, you got a CT scan for 300 bucks, 350 bucks, yeah. something like that with contrast. Which Crazy. Is, yeah, with contrast. With the IV dye. So none of this means that healthcare is not too expensive. It sounds like we're just saying, oh, the costs aren't really that high. They're not really that high. Yeah. They're, they're all it way too we high. Need a single payer system Even those real prices are high for a number of reasons, you know? Yeah. It, it, or all the number shenanigans. And it's just, could you imagine a, a couple scenarios like what you would pay, what you would pay for a hamburger? One, if there was insurance for it. I mean, the price <laughs> would never stop going. Because here's the deal. You'll pay $8 at McDonald's and they know that you'll part with $8 for your meal. So what they're going to do is they're going to charge 80 bucks for the hamburger or for the meal. Right. So you're, they'll, you're paying eight, so it's no big deal. You'll still part with your $8. So they know along that the price- Along with your monthly premiums. Yeah, along with your premiums because you my, my McDonald's membership. Right. Yeah, which is a great, great deal nowadays. I've heard about so, uh, so you'll Wait, still is there really a McDonald's membership? Because- Oh, no, I don't. I, I got don't something to do if there is. No. <laughs> I know. I weaned myself off that food a long, long time ago. I think Burger King made a membership now where you get free coffee with your membership like every day, which is brilliant because it's they genius, pay. Because you're going to go there for your coffee and then you're going to think, well, I mean, may as well get the full bag of the full breakfast. And sandwich. Look at six, may as well get six hash browns while I'm at it. I mean, even. I'm here. So anyway, um, we'll talk about food pricing later. You know, yeah, but, we'll do our fast food and uh, ear surgery schemes off air. We don't. We can't reveal all, <laughs> reveal everything. <laughs> You know, the other thing is, imagine you're doing that same, that same burger and they need to get a, a certain amount from it. And there's 10 people in line and the nine people in front of you never pay them. And then they get to you and they know that they're actually going to be able to collect something. Well, now they're actually going to charge you like $800 so they can actually pay for everyone. And, and so you get into this system where obviously we're not in the free market because you rarely get to leave an establishment without paying them for their services and you normally get to shop around <clears throat> and they're normally going to be some upfront pricing and things like that. I'm sure healthcare would still be expensive. I mean, they're saving your life a lot of times and your life. I mean, is your life worth as much as a new car? Could you say your life is not as is not worth as much as what a new car would cost? It depends on like, what what model of new car, but probably a little more. Yeah, probably a little <laughs> bit more. Probably a little not, more. Not the new Tesla, yeah. but I mean, yeah, like, I mean, what would you ask? Somewhere. Would you pay even? Would you pay seventy thousand dollars to for a new car or for or to save your life? I saw this when I had or my to plug a hole in your heart. When I yeah, or to plug <laughs> a hole in your heart. Like one of those things. If my third option is the Iron Man treatment, then I'm taking that one. Oh yeah, that would be way better. As long then as you get you, the money and your fun. Exactly. Well, the money has to come first, I think, is the problem. So we got to figure out. I think that. once I'm Iron Man, the money comes later. So as long right, as I can get just, enough of a loan for that original, you know, that you're going to be like heart, like a villainous Iron Man. You Are you going to use your powers for bad and like rob um, banks? I'm going to believe that I'm good, but ultimately be doing bad, like any good villain. Just get a get a PPP loan. Yeah, because you don't have to pay those back. There you go. <laughs> and Perfect. then and then get your suit and everything. An Iron Man loan. Fine. Yeah. No matter what, every podcast I end up doing where we're drinking and just talking, we end up talking about some kind of scam. I don't know why it is. I'm supposed to be the libertarian. We're doing things on the straight and narrow. I'm all about, you know, I'm against fraud, everybody. I really am. 
But there's a line somewhere between business and scam. And I, I intend to find exactly where that line is. <laughs> um, you got our email, so hit us up whenever you do find that out for sure. Yeah, we'll no, vice versa. This is uh, yeah. valuable information to have. Hey there, Liberty Kitties. Time to take a quick time out to tell you about one of our longtime supporters. His name is Tyler Colford, and he goes by the pseudonym Crypto Man. That's his rapping name. That's right. He is a rapper as well. He does some awesome stuff, and he recently produced a track called Free Ross. And the Ross in question is, of course, Ross Ulbricht, the creator of the Silk Road Marketplace, who was sentenced to two life sentences for creating that marketplace. Yes, it was a black market indeed of all sorts of things, including drugs, consensual transactions, which libertarians are completely in favor of. There were no victims and there were no crimes as far as we're concerned. So please do check out the track Free Ross and 100% of the proceeds will go to the Free Ross Foundation, which is uh, helping to free Ross and bring more awareness to his situation. Do check out the links. I will put them all over at lionsofliberty.com slash free Ross for ease of use. You can also pre-order it on Google Play. Again, 100% of the proceeds of this track will be going to help free Ross. Still wonder why there's an overpopulation in the prison system, persecuting crimes from the original victim, parents to win time, separating children, perpetuating crime to a future generation. So the, I do think we have an issue where we don't place an adequate value. You know, I had my, I had a, I had the part with my appendix last year. After a long run, we had the end, we had the part ways, and uh, I mean, we had to pay like two thousand dollars, whatever our deductible and stuff was. And I remember uh, saying, like, man, it's too bad, too bad I had to spend that two thousand dollars on that surgery, you know. And th- and then I and then I thought for a minute, like. What's the rest of that sentence? Like, if only I could have got something more valuable, you know, than not than not dying, <laughs> than than not dying. What could I've What could I've spent that money on that would have been more valuable than not dying? You know, what what would that be? So I do think that people really don't place an adequate value on saving a life. I I think we're going to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars for a house or more than that. Obviously, depending on if you're in California. Or not, or so, if you're going to yeah, spend that's, thirty. That's grand. a down payment. Where yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> not even a joke. I wish it was a joke. I wish I could just laugh it off. You can get a tenth <laughs> under a brick. <laughs> that so money. silly. Hundreds of thousands of dollars of a down payment. Well, if you want to do the twenty percent way, which I would, you know, I'm I have my my wariness about doing you know the three point five percent that loan where you where you have that much left on the on the back end personally. Yeah, but, but the government's there for me if I ever if I decide to. So thank God. Just there, just. Needlessly inflating the prices for they're, all. Yeah, of them. they're there to get me just enough underwater that I can barely breathe, and then I have to beg them for for uh, for air. And then they give you a hand. Yeah, exactly. And then they'll take come on out, old friend. Away. We'll help you. So yeah, um, the dealing with collecting on the money, which is what Charlie deals most with, is is insane. And people think that it's just oh, insurance companies they find ways to deny everything. They just deny all of it. But what people don't realize is that Medicare sets the standard for what can and can't be denied. And insurance companies are just working off of the Medicare sheet for, for what they can deny. And, and that's what they work off of. Well, because it's legal precedent anyway, for them to be able to do this. And not only that, but the government has standardized all of this, Mm -hmm. by the way. So the reason why medical billing is so complicated, why it's so expensive is because they have in a way, 
what they tried to do is make it more efficient by standardizing it. And, and, and what they did is, is bastardize it in essence and give um, the insurance companies, the private insurance companies um, a leg to stand on when it comes to denying things and, and um, the way things have to be coded and, and things like that so that you can actually collect on your money. And that's because uh, obviously when the, when the government has a hand in paying for medical bills, then they're going to want to control how much they actually spend on it because it's coming out of the government coffers. And so what they've done is, and we, you know, we don't have to dig too much into the weeds and things like this, but you guys can go to Washington publishing. If you want to look up Washington publishing, there's all kinds of what we call uh, carks and rark codes. We can start there. And essentially what it is, is a big long list of why we're not going to pay your claim. And they'll send you, uh, it comes in what's called an 835 file. It's a standard file. Um, and so, which, which in a way is helpful, I will say, because you can process things electronically versus uh, when they used to do things on paper. So they have created some efficiency, I would say, in the technology space on that side of things. But in standardizing all these codes, they gave the insurance companies um, a handout, essentially saying, hey, here's all the ways that we're going to deny claims. And then the insurance companies took the look, look at the list and they're like, oh, we can do the same thing. And so they deny claims for the same reasons. And some of them are just absolutely you know, absurd. Um, for instance, if you receive a, a CARC code 96, it just says uh, uh, non-covered charges. And they're just like, well, we just aren't, we're not going to cover these charges or the, what you have charged exceed, exceeded what our allowable amount is. We just don't allow you to charge that much. So denied. And I can't think of any other industry out there. I don't know if you can, Mark. Any other industry out there where they can just decide that you you performed a service and that you can't charge that for that. Or there's another one, another great one called untimely filing. And in Medicare and Medicaid, it's 60 days. So if a patient goes to comes to your facility and when, then they get discharged, and from that discharge date, if you do not submit a claim to Medicare or Medicaid within 60 days, then they deny you for untimely filing and they decide that they're just not going to pay you. Um, what if only, you were really sick in this? I mean, just because you were discharged from the hospital does not mean you're not in some kind of state of illness and perhaps maybe cannot get around to paperwork in that amount of time. Well, and so it's not the patient, the patient, not the patient submitting the claim. It's oh, the, the, uh, the company, the healthcare company. Well, they don't have the same excuse. So screw right. it. Right. But some of the smaller ones do like that. Right. That yeah, can yeah, be yeah, sure. Linux. A, that again, yeah. that again plays to the, the whole idea that, you know, the, the huge giant corporations can survive these things. So yes, there is, there is a, you know, a reason that the, that the giant corporations end up controlling things, but the more they kind of control the regulations, the more they continue to set up this situation for themselves where, yeah, there are, there are more obstacles in the way, but they can conquer those obstacles without a problem. It's the little guys that can't even really exist. I mean, who could, who could think of starting a mom and pop health insurance company right now. You could not do that. You just simply could not do that from scratch. You know, we can well, sit around after we get off the air here and drink some more whiskey and start our own health insurance company. We could start our own ear surgery company, I think, with, with the right planning or our own McDonald's membership company. But the health insurance company, there's too many hurdles there. Yeah. And, or healthcare provider. I mean, right. To start those little clinics. Well, you'd have to like get that. permission to even build the facility in the first place. <laughs> That's why our ear surgery needs to be um, more like a religion, I think, than a, than a healthcare yeah. provider. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's, that's going to be. We've nice. been looking into whether or not liberty is a religion lately. Because I do feel like 
that we should be tax exempt right now. Yeah. And I think there's a pretty strong Supreme Court case in the works. Well, before right I now. had corporate health care, I was a member of a Liberty Health Share. And, uh, you know, it's uh, you got to sign a document basically just saying that you believe in liberty. And as far as I was concerned, I was signing on to liberty as my religion for the purposes of that document. So nice. it's now true. I've nice. heard of that. Uh-oh, bossy there for a minute. Oh, you're kind of cutting out a little bit. Uh-oh. Oh, well, I haven't Is said anything, so I think we're okay. Okay, good. <laughs> so You missed I, nothing, folks. You missed nothing. You said you were telling me about one earlier where they said that the uh, diagnosis is not consistent with the patient's age. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Something so like the, that. Yeah. So <laughs> if you start up here at the beginning, it says, uh, let's see, um, the procedure code uh, is inconsistent with the patient's age or the diagnosis what? is inconsistent with the patient's gender. So apparently if you're a certain gender, you can only have a certain diagnosis. So I mean, I could see if you have pregnant and male, how that could be a problem. But for the most part, you think any gender could have. 2020, Mark. Come on now. That's true. There you go. I didn't right? realize that you were so bigoted. <laughs> Neither did I till, the, till today. <laughs> but a lot the, of revelations today. The problem is all this, like some of these sound like, okay, well, that makes sense. Well, you wouldn't want to cover a pregnancy for a, for a man or something like that. But all, all this stuff just opens the door for all kinds of inefficiency and basically them just hitting the deny button to start with. And then healthcare companies having to pay people uh, like, like our company to come and figure out how they're ever going to get paid, which then becomes a, a massive expense. I think we said before, we would gladly go out of business if it meant that we entered into a free market healthcare system. Right. Mm-hmm. But, right. Uh, but right now, and I then mean, you have to go back on the road or just podcast full time. Yeah. Right. We'll just do podcast. Like, look, so I, I mean, I work with. That's why everyone should send you guys money on your Patreon, which they can find at patreon.com slash good morning liberty. See, I was tempted to promote my own Patreon there, patreon.com slash lines liberty. But since it is your Nittany level show and we are <laughs> featuring you guys, I wanted to give you the chance first. Before we've, uh, we've actually, we, we keep telling, actually, today even, I was like, hey, if you guys aren't patrons of Lines of Liberty, you should you should go over there because uh, they're they're having us on the show and everything and maybe you get to maybe you get to see it or something like that. So maybe you'll get to see it live if the hosts remind me to stream it live as they did right before yeah. the show today. <laughs> so you, know, probably, you pay me to remind me to stream your show live. It's, so if you saw that massive spike in your numbers, that's what it was from. Exactly, I felt the rumble here. It was not an earthquake in California. Right, it was the rating spike, my friends. The GML rating <laughs> spike. Do you have any more ridiculous carks and rarks? Well, I mean, so just going over, like, you have, so you have the CART codes, the RAR codes, you have claim status codes, you have DRG codes and procedure codes and emitting codes and ICD-10 codes that used to be ICD-9. They just updated them. So so who understands any of this? No one, right? It's like it Not takes me. an entire team of people to sift through all of this billing stuff. And then they, like I said, they hire companies like mine and they purchase software and they're finding all these ways to create efficiencies so that they can save money on trying to actually collect the cash that they're trying to collect to keep their business operating. And so, I mean, I work with um, very large organizations that have entire buildings full of people just working on claims. I mean, it's insane. It's yeah. absolutely insane. And like the article I pointed out, I mean, for every $1 billion collected, they have 700 people. It's eight times more than any other industry. And you have, you know, entire organizations. Uh, even I did work for HCA as well. So it's like they have, 
And in fact, they have an entire building just dedicated to collecting Medicare by itself. So they have a whole team, a whole building. I thought Medicare was just automatic. You went there and then the nope. hospital just got paid and, and it's just an amazing example of government brilliance. No, that's not, no. It's not the case at all. No. You have an entire team of people at HCA that just collect Medicare because it's so convoluted and complicated. And then they have specialized teams for different uh, commercial payers. They have specialized teams for like workman's comp because workman's comp is handled completely different than any other insurance. Then you have another team specialized in uh, automotive because automotive medical is completely different than any other insurance medical. So you have all of these. Well, sure. If you work on cars during the day, obviously your organs are going to be composed completely differently than those. Very different. <laughs> it's not. So that makes, that does make sense actually. Those right. people, that's actually, you have to go to, to, to college for 14 years to work on the automotive Medical. specialist. Yeah. yeah. Automotive um, repair specialist, repair specialist. Yes. There you go. MD. <laughs> MD. One of the most ridiculous things that my, uh, my wife was telling me about is something called geometric length of stay. And um, it's this crazy thing that, that, the, that the, brilliant, the brilliant, brilliant government came up with that when there is some type of a, say, a, a DRG, a, a diagnosis code, that they decided um, how much time, say, you should stay in the hospital or, or what expenses should be involved with that. Right. So to further that, it's, yeah. yeah. So a DRG is a diagnosis, but it's a diagnosis grouping. So what they did is they, to try to create efficiency again, which is com it completely fell on their face, is they decided that these certain types of things that people present to healthcare facilities with, that they can make an all-encompassing, like an all-inclusive package, let's say. Yeah. Um, but instead of you getting all kinds of cool stuff for your all-inclusive rate, um, it's the, the government deciding to play, pay an all-inclusive rate no matter what happens to you. And so those, that's your overarching, your diagnosis group code. Yeah. And so they come up with a geometric length of stay. So they decide, I'm, I'm going to oversimplify, but you have a heart attack and they say, well, you should be in the hospital for three days and have uh, this amount of expenses and we'll pay out this much and it's going to cover three days in the hospital. And, um, and that's what we decided here on this form uh, 1035-H.7. And so that means that this is how long you're going to be in here. And the problem is, uh, if you're in there longer than that, you still only get paid for whatever the code specifies as the hospital. It's all about the codes. It's all about the oh, codes. Yeah. I mean, imagine the government coming up with a system of codes that they were going to do everything by. It's, a, it's insane. So it doesn't it's matter. It's not even color codes. That's the sad part. At least if it was color <laughs> codes, we could kind of, you know, have fun Just and follow along here boring DMV type codes. And that's, that's all we're dealing with, but they'll decide how many days you should be in for this and what the expenses should be. And it, except for massive extenuating circumstances, it really doesn't matter if a lot of other things happen, you get paid out for whatever that specified amount is. So if, if it says three days and that's what they're going to pay the hospital for your, for your overnight stays and you stay for five, the hospital still gets paid for three. And if you go in for one thing and some other things end up happening or you, you do all kinds of other diagnosis codes, well, they, they've got this grouping and they're only going to pay for this one DRG and it's going to cover that or, or you're not going to get paid for it. Now, and what does that make the hospitals do? They make sure that that one thing covers the entire range of possibilities. Right. They make it more expensive in case other shit happens. Yeah. So essentially. Because they know that you can come in and they're going to get paid for this one DRG 
and this one code or this one geometric length of stay. Well, what we need to do is we need to inflate the price to cover just in case something bad happens. And so now where you may be used to, we're going to pay for three, but sometimes it takes six. Well, now we're actually going to make the base cost what six used to cost. And so now that's how we're actually going to be charging people. And this is what, what it costs to, to perform this procedure. I feel now, like I'm playing Simon trying to keep up with, uh, you know, with all the, the colors and sounds that are coming at me here. I know, I know we're getting a little deep in the details, but I think it's important to try to understand why. Well, it's uh, good evidence of how F the system is. I don't know why I'm censoring myself. How fucked the system is. Right, wait, <laughs> it's we... absolutely a cursing show. I'm not sure where I, where I lost track here, but maybe I thought I was guessing on your show for a minute. <laughs> far too much effort for the lions of liberty we have way too much time to put into that needs to go to you know our ear surgery mobile service and our you know fast food subscription services i don't have time to be editing we'll be we'll be on a plane first flight out to la so we can start scoping out locations okay and things like that. i guess we need to do it on we need location. a van first yeah what if the van both not only now hear me out fix your yeah. ear for a reasonable free market perhaps black market price but they also delivered a monthly subscription to your favorite fast food restaurant. Just ideas here, folks. I don't know. They could also get a contract with the government to snatch up protesters. Yeah, exactly. All in the same van. You can go ahead and get a patent on that idea right now before someone snatches it up, because someone's going to grab that. Go ahead and file your your patent with the USPTO office. It's super fun to file trademarks and stuff like that, by the way. We're still messing with our... I've heard that is really fun. The the, uh, the upside to being snatched as a protester in this situation is you do get a delicious fast food hamburger. And you're yeah. While you wait, while you're being indefinitely detained. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But you it's only a win-win. I wanted to top off what Nate said, because this yeah. might be the most absurd thing that makes healthcare so ridiculously expensive. So... Imagine, you know, you only get paid for that one thing, by the way. And so when you're admitted to the hospital, you have, you're, you're admitted with these codes. We've already talked about that. So when you get discharged to go home, um, if you come back to mm. the hospital mm-hmm. within 30 days, regardless of, not, regardless of whether or not the patient was compliant with their discharge instructions, um, the insurance companies of Medicare automatically do won't cover the service if they are admitted with the same uh, diagnosis. They have a they assume the double jeopardy rule for yeah, the payout. Exactly, right. they assume yeah. that it's the hospital's fault that they didn't give them the care properly the first time, so they're not going to pay the second time, even if the hospital can prove that the patient was non-compliant. It, it doesn't matter. So now they have to charge you twice. <laughs> for the same the first time you come in to make sure that if you come in a second time that they have both of those covered. Yeah. This is what makes it exorbitantly exp- so expensive. It's unbelievable and then there's no accountability, there's no competition among all the, you know, the many other things that you that are easy to argue. It's all of these little tiny details that no one the public is not privy to. No one's privy to. Nobody understands Hell, I don't even understand half of what I'm saying with all these codes and stuff. <laughs> it's amazing that no matter how many guests over the years I've had on that, uh, you know, whether they're doctors or people that are, you know, have worked in the insurance, um, you know, in the insurance industry, no matter how many guests I come on that are knowledgeable about the health insurance industry, every single time I have someone else on to talk about it, I learn more and more about how fucked the system is right. every single time because there's that you could probably write multiple books and not get to the end of all the problems of how convoluted that they have made this. Um, uh, by running everything through government in some in some way, shape, or form. I mean, pretty much everything in the medical industry is in some way regulated through government, whether it's a doctor, whether it's the insurance, uh, whether it's the procedures themselves, whether it's the medical equipment, absolutely everything. And we see that reflected in the costs. 
Right. And like I said, like, I mean, I would be considered an expert in my field and I probably know 1%. And that's, that might <laughs> right. be stretching it. And I'm not, jo- I'm not joking. It's that's like me with libertarianism. I'm, I'm, I know about 1% about libertarianism, but that does make me an expert. So that's okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it is, is pretty crazy. And then, I mean, listen, all the, all the costs are way too high. What we need, comp- we need some kind of competition. We need some kind of, free market in the system, but how the hell do you actually end up winding all this stuff back down? That's been something that I, I honestly, I don't have a clear answer for how you start winding this down. Well, I, also don't, uh, think, a, I don't think we're going to. Does it need to? Is that, do we need a collapsitarianism of the healthcare industry? Is that, is that basically where we're at? I, I think that the that's other way to see the change. I think that's where we're headed right now. I don't know if that's, I mean, I wish we could say, get rid of the, the CON laws. I wish we could well, uh, I, well, you can say it all you want, but yeah. Well, yeah. let me give you something that is actually encouraging that we've covered is that Walmart, by the way, is starting Walmart mm-hmm. Health, mm-hmm. and they are offering as as evil as everyone wants to think Walmart is. Um, they're offering you know X rays for fifty bucks. They're offering it's less uh, than that actually. I'm pretty sure it's less than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's just horrible. That's just horrible. MRIs yeah. for it's a self checkout X ray though, so you gotta <laughs> and you do have to analyze it yourself. Right. <laughs> they do provide you a green and a red marker to highlight the areas you think are doing well. And uh, so it's, yeah, this benefits. doesn't look normal. Maybe <laughs> is that a lot? That's yeah. I'm going to mark that red. No, know. but that is a good, that is a, that is a bright spot <laughs> in the industry. And the more that people have problems paying for healthcare, at least to the extent that, that regulations and that sort of thing don't restrict companies from, from entering the, that marketplace, you will see more companies like Walmart that try to at least serve that niche because that's, that's why these companies exist because there's people that need cheaper food. There's people that need quick, you know, just a place to go and buy everything at a much lower cost. That's why Walmart exists in the first place and they need the same thing for their healthcare. It's only the question of will the government step in and say, wait, Walmart's providing these for 50 bucks? Mm, that's not going to work. You know, it, it's when, when we see those free market changes challenge by the powers that be that are that currently have the system that benefits them you know that we're going to continue to see that friction but hopefully they they serve as examples yeah luckily though walmart is a big enough corporation they could fight back well that's that's actually a little bit of hope yeah is that a company like walmart with the means they could could lobby lobby right back and use uh you know use the uh the evil for good i guess you know use the they can write legislation saying that target can't create right, exactly that does the problem even if they do good on one front they're going to end up banning their competition somehow right yeah right but just i mean it's not a coincidence they'll that say lion but podcasts cannot get into this niche that's all we know you cannot serve you cannot give x-rays if you've ever podcasted no <laughs> suddenly right. they've shut us all out <laughs> it's a uh, it, it's pretty it's pretty crazy when you look at all the pricing and everything and and um what's nuts is uh you know, hospitals are having a tough time financially right now during a healthcare pandemic, um, which is pretty insane. Like, it, like, isn't the number one thing in the news just a healthcare problem and that so many people are sick? And somehow there's hospitals that are shutting down. Uh, HCA has stopped hiring people. They've let a lot of their contractors go. They're, they're not allowed to actually do the things that make money right now. And what people don't realize is that they don't make money off of those massive things. I was asking my wife, like, what do you guys make off of a, off of a cancer patient that's getting chemo? And she was like, we lose about $80,000. Wow. And uh, I was like, even though it's like two, 300, 400, she's like, yeah, we lose money on every single cancer patient that comes into the hospital. And I was like, what do you, what do you make money on? 
She was like hip replacements, knee replacements, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Ear elective surgery? Pre- ear surgery. Ear surgery. Ear surgery. Yeah. Number one on our list, actually. I can't believe I forgot We're that. We're all about the callbacks but here. They had a new, uh, and she's, she's actually working for uh, Sarah Cannon right now. And I won't name the, the, the medications or anything. But anyway, they, they, they came up with a new medication that was very promising uh, for patients. Very expensive, obviously, for them to try and administer the, the medication and all of that. And it was actually going to cost them about $26,000 per patient for them to be able to do this. And they finally got the info back and Medicare said that they would pay $12,000 for it. And so guess what they did? They don't, they don't do the procedure or the treatment for anyone. That's, that's it. It's, it's too it's much gone. of a losing. It's, they, can't, they can't lose the money for every single thing that happens like that. And that's the free market right there. Yeah. That's just the, the epitome of a free market. Now we see, so, I think a lot of libertarians probably know this. You see free market healthcare in, you know, like plastic surgery or you know, LASIK eye surgery where right, competition right. has actually driven the cost down for the most part. I mean, look, look at the cost in healthcare in some other countries where they have a much less regulated market, whether it's, you know, Mexico, Thailand, or, or what have you. I mean, you can, you see much lower prices all over the world. You see much higher prices all over the world too, in parts of Europe where they have, you know, a much more socialized system. Right. You wouldn't even have to go to Mexico to get that new ear like you just like you just did. You know, you could have just done it here. <laughs> a lot right. cheaper. It's that obvious th- that I've been deflecting this ear thing onto Chuck the whole time, but it's really been me. <laughs> it's been me all along with the new ear. Straight from Mexico. I mean, how much, you know, obviously we're dudes, so we don't know about this, but I'm pretty sure you can get a new pair of tits for like two <laughs> for like two grand now. But you it know It can't be much. It's it's not at all. Um or I guess a more you proper. Give me ideas. Give Are me they ideas. good quality? I think so. Are they built for speed or for comfort? <laughs> what's the what, both? I bet you can still motorboat motorboat them. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're at the motorboating segment of the yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I did want to get into you guys a bit about is um, the lockdowns and the continued effects that we're seeing from that. Not both the economic effects and sort of the health effects that people have had. Now I have. I don't know. I, I just came back here. I'm a little depressed, to be honest, because I'm back in the U.S. I lived, you know, in Mexico for almost uh, about three and a half months or so, and uh, you know, I was really I didn't feel locked down at all there because you know we had our, we had a big house and we had a pool, and I had to make the hard decision to come back to work at least temporarily while I while I kind of figure figure my life out here. Um, but um, here. but I suddenly I've been in LA for three days and I feel locked down again. You know, suddenly, well, some of my friends, some my fellow podcasters, uh, are are cool to chill and hang out uh, at their houses or whatever. But for the most part, it just doesn't feel like the place I used to live, where I could just go out freely and meet people or you know pop into the bar by myself and hang out with people. I can't do any of this stuff I used to do socially. Uh, so it is it is somewhat depressing. And I've only been here for four days, uh, back in lockdown land, and I, I'm already feeling the health effects. I already feel that I'm not as healthy as I was prior to this when I had a, you know, a schedule and yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, if, if I'm just feeling this, if, I, if someone who mo- who's motivated is feeling this being back in this lockdown mode after four days, I can't imagine what it's doing to somebody who might not even be as motivated, who might just have given up and said, well, I guess I just have to stay locked in my house this whole time. So, I mean, what, what kind of actual health effects do you think, you met, whether it's physical or, or mental, or we're seeing from people being locked down like this? Because it's, it's, it's a horrible feeling. And I know it's different state to state. I know it might not, might, might, might not be the same uh, for you guys out there as it is out here. I think I saw a, a statistic from, I believe the, it was, was it the American Cancer Society or one of them saying that um, due to people not getting their, their screenings very often, they're not going to treatments, uh, that we were going to see an, an excess of about 30,000 excess deaths from cancer just alone 
because people were not going and getting checkups and were not catching things as early as what they would have, or they're skipping treatments and, and they're, they're doing things like that. So you could start with one just like that right there. And then you go down the list of all the other things that, that people are not, are not actually going to the doctor for. You know, I, I saw that United Health posted their, their most profitable quarter ever now that this pandemic started. And of course, it was because they're an evil, terrible health insurance company. If you dug into the details, it was because so many people are not going to the doctor that this is one of their first times that they've been able to just straight up pocket a large percentage of the premiums. Uh, and so that's why it was so profitable. Not because they didn't pay out as many claims, not because they're making so much money off of every single person going to the doctor, but because people are not going to the doctor and they normally pay out 83 cents for every dollar that comes in. And in the last quarter, they paid out 70 cents for every dollar that came in. And that equaled their largest, most profitable quarter that they, that they had. And so I think we're going to see just so many effects that we're not even going to know about for years to come. And I don't even know if we'll, if we'll ever know the actual truth about it because it's kind of an unseen thing. Like, how do you prove that someone died that wouldn't have died? You know, you can't, you can't really prove that all that well. And uh, so I think uh, we've said several times on our podcast that the, the economic, the effects from the lockdowns are going to be worse from, than the actual coronavirus itself. Oh, that, uh, that, are, that much is so clear. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't clear four months ago when they first started talking to, uh, you know, about this stuff, which I think it, it was to uh, people like you and I, but it's, it's so abundantly clear now. I don't know how anyone can even take the other position. You had the old study from, uh, it was from the 70s, but what did it say that uh, for every million people that are unemployed, there's 40,000 excess deaths? Right, right. So, something like suicide that. Suicide and deleterious health yeah. effects. And I mean, Alcoholism, it just goes on and on, right? All kinds of things that. I mean, I'm drinking more since I've been back in LA. I'm sitting here with drinking, talking to you guys, drinking some Evan Williams, and I had barely touched the stuff for, uh, for three months. Now, there's right. been some offset I have seen uh, from fewer car accidents because less people are out driving all the time. So, yeah, dangerous th- activities. Th- there's obviously some, there's going to be trade offs all, sure. all over the place. Um, but I, I think when but you. The problem is, I don't even think we've seen the worst of what the economically. Oh, I mean, no. We had no. 43 million people lose their jobs. And, and I know that that's the, some people have got their jobs back now. And so I don't know exactly what the unemployment number is sitting at, real unemployment, let's say. Um, but I don't even think we've seen, um, you know, the real economic downturn when you look at uh, what's going to be a six to, well, they're talking about passing another stimulus. So it's probably going to be more like an eight to $10 trillion deficit. Um, and so when you see that, and then you see, uh, I believe Goldman Sachs is projecting a negative 49% uh, GDP for a 49% uh, decrease. Yeah. yeah. Well, negative 49%. Yeah. So it's going to yeah. be, so our, the debt to GDP ratio is going to be so astronomically high. Um, which the, the last time we had two quarters in a row with negative GDP, um, we saw the, uh, the Great Depression. So who knows what's going to happen? Those numbers are going to be reported at the end of this month. And the, the thing is, like, so we could see another stock market crash. We could see millions more people lose their jobs. And so when you look at it all encompassing with all of that, and then of course, you know, economic downturn leads to more suicides, leads to more murders and homicides and violence and all of that kind of stuff. It's just going to be, chaos i think i uh, and i'm not trying to be doom and gloom at all I, i'm not really a fear monger type of person i just i'm scared I you're just making truly, me want to buy my ticket right back out of here so right <laughs> i, I just already truly, wanted to do that so i just truly think you know no one saw this coming in 2008 well 
the writing's on the wall clearly for this next one. I mean, it's right there. The thing is that people on the left have been talking about how poverty caused excess death for all, for forever. Like that. I mean, Bernie Sanders would talk about how 40,000 people, 40,000 people die every single year because they can't get healthcare. And, and what do you think it's going to be when, when we're in the middle of a, of a massive depression? Like you, right. you can't make the numbers work on this. Well, that'll be easy to blame the corporations because people's health insurance is tied to their job. It's because of greed. Right. Yeah. yeah. And because healthcare is tied to your job, health insurance. I mean, that's no way that that's FDR's fault or anything like that. I mean, that we can still blame him. You know, so there we go. That'll probably be uh, the evil, evil corporations, but it's going to get, it's going to get a whole lot worse. There's no way that we can just keep printing money and not expect to go into some type of a massive recession, depression, and have so many more people in terrible, more terrible circumstances than we're even in right now. And we know that that has negative health effects. We were talking about debt the other day and someone, you know, made a comment to me and was like, well, who are we in debt to? Because a lot of people out there think, I think a lot of Americans think that, you know, uh, that printing money doesn't really matter. And you've had economists come out and say, well, Paul you know, Krugman being thinks so. not that big a deal. Yeah. Krugman, yeah, Krugman definitely thinks that. Not that big a deal, whatever. And I told the person, I was like, what you don't realize is like you're borrowing from your children and your grandchildren. And, and your if it doesn't matter, why are we even placing any limit on it at all? It right. It's the reducto ad absurdum that, that Rothbard would always go back to. I mean, if it doesn't matter, then logically speaking, there's no reason whatsoever not to just make a hundred trillion trillion dollars and continue right. to make more and just more because we're just going to get wealthier. So why? And if it doesn't matter, then why even worry about it? But if it does matter, then they have to admit that it does matter. And then we have to look at all those reasons for the actual numbers that, that they're doing. But yeah. Well, at this point, I mean, we were talking about this on the show the other day. Why do we even have taxes anymore? It, the taxes are going to be such a small portion of what the government is spending. Right. Why even pretend? It, at this point, it, yeah. Why even act like this matters? At, at this point, they're going to spend $10 trillion, $11 trillion this year. And the, the income tax is like, I think personal income tax and payroll, they get like 2.2 or 2.5, something from that. And like at this point, I'm not arguing, by the way, that we can just print things and everything will be fine. But I'm saying logically, why are we even worried about taking taxes from the people if we can just we just we just had a two, 2.2 trillion dollar stimulus that's already as much taxes as a lot of people all put together are going to pay in the country like why not just print another 2.2 trillion and then why even have taxes anymore and and then we all need to go live in the woods somewhere because uh it's going <laughs> to get doesn't bad. sound that bad we can, live in, our, that we can bad. live in our van yeah in the ear surgery um, Fast food subscription van? <laughs> well, actually, I heard that there's a local ordinance that you can't live in your business. And so we won't be able to So live we in need the a van. trailer attached yeah. to the van. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. we need. We'll have to detach it for sleeping because uh, they do give out fines. And I think stuff. as long as you unhook it, yeah. it's technically a separate. You might end up on the back of someone else's truck and find yourself waking That's up true. on the middle of the road some night. But, <laughs> that I mean, almost <laughs> definitely will happen with me, actually, yeah. now that I think about it. <laughs> Uh, well, g- gentlemen, it's been a blast having you on here for this little uh, drinky fest. As you guys know, I've got another show. Uh, we've got a conspiracy yep. corner that yeah, you guys will be able to tune into. In fact, we'll live stream that to the pride as well. We did live stream this very show. Uh, thanks to Nate and Chuck reminding me to do so to the Lions of Liberty Pride secret Facebook group for our patrons. Of course, you can find more about our Patreon at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. And even more importantly, okay, maybe not more importantly, but also importantly, 
You can find GML's Patreon at patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. Guys, anything else you want to run through in terms of places people can find out what you're doing? Uh, I know you've got a lot of different um, you know programs that you guys offer. You're not just doing the podcast. You also uh, do stuff with trading, healthcare. Feel free to do the full roundabout of everything and everything you've got uh, to lay on the listeners here of ways they can find you guys, ways they can find the services that you guys offer. Well, yeah. So uh, we've been doing trading now for for quite some time. I've been doing it for for several years and decided to start teaching because we're already sitting here doing the podcast every day. So I might as well also live stream my trading and all of that all the time. So we go live every morning at 8 a.m. Central Time and show people what price points we're going to be getting in on some of these crazy stocks every single day. And uh, just kind of let everyone know what, where I'm going to be trading or where Charlie's going to be trading at every day. Not telling you what. You don't have to do it. Yeah, and in fact, sure. um, you know, that's, that's on you. We just want to give you the information of what I'm going to be doing. Do it's, it's, not, it's not advice. It's just no, a tale no. of what you are it's, doing. Information on what I'm going to be doing and you can use it for whatever you want to. So we have a class called the Liberty Trading Academy, which is at mastermytrades.com. And it goes everywhere from, I mean, literally, you've never looked at the stock chart before. We'll start teaching you how to even open up the platform and set up your charts and learn how to read them and, and then go through all the strategies that we use. There's literally over 200 videos on the website. We're putting up new videos all the time. So uh, it's, or if you're an Elon Musk fan, you can go to mastermystonks.com. Yeah, mastermystonks.com too. We did. <laughs> Charlie got that URL the other day. <laughs> so yeah, stuff. if you're interested, mastermytrades.com. We just think it's cool to try and, I don't know, take, take control as, a, as, old, as old Stapleton would say, you know, take control of your income and your, your wealth and all that. And so the trading in the market is pure freedom and liberty. You have the freedom to do any amazingly smart or stupid thing that you want to do. <laughs> and no one's going to stop you from getting in or out at any point in time, risking a lot of money or not risking any money. It is literally pure freedom to get on there and make money. And uh, that's, that's why we love it. So that's mastermytrades.com. And yeah. Um, I actually have never promoted our healthcare business ever, but if anybody out there as well, yeah, if anybody out there does need any type of, uh, you know, healthcare medical billing or any type of that type of solution, any software, um, or technical analysis or training, we can do that. So uh, you can do that by going to paradexo.com, P-A-R-A-D-E-X-O, paradexo.com, uh, and uh, send me a message there, and I'd be happy to get in touch and help any way that I can with that. And then also... Um, I, he told Bert, everyone about Patreon. Sorry, so, yeah. Bernie. I wanted to say BernieLies.com. Bernie Great yeah, URL. Blog and... That's like okay. a Tom Woods URL. That's a great one he scooped up there. Yeah, I, I was so proud because we're doing ads on on his podcast yeah, right yeah. now, and I was so proud to send him that URL because I was like, he is gonna freaking love gonna this love URL. It. It's so Woodsy. So yeah, it is. Yeah, let's so, you know go to it. make sure you guys go to all those places. Yeah, all of them. Hopefully, you made a list and do it tonight. And if you didn't, <laughs> just hit that thirty seconds back button a couple times. Listen to it all again. Write it down this time. And send and us all money. That's what we're really getting to here, ultimately. And I expect everyone to be a healthcare expert after this. Because after this. if you send us money and utilize our businesses, we can be more free and we can help you and the world be more free. And that's what this is all about. 
Freedom. Sending us money. No, I mean freedom. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for coming on. It's really been a blast having you guys, not just here on the show, but, you know, I've been on your, your show. You had uh, Brian and Odie on uh, because they, they just don't like to share the spotlight with me. Let's be honest. They get a little, <laughs> right. you know, you know. How it I think is. we were going um, to Mexico. Time yeah, that was probably right right before I was leaving. Yeah, so but it's been it's been a blast getting to know you guys, uh, obviously, and having you guys in the, in the pride and the Patreon over at patreon.com slash Lions Liberty. And it's been great getting to know you guys a little bit more here today. We will continue this relationship. This will not be the last podcast we do together. But until next time, my friends, keep up the great work. Keep on roaring. All right, kitty cats. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with our good friends, Nate and Charlie of Good Morning Liberty. Please do check out their program. Please do check out BernieLies.com. What a great URL. Again, uh, myself and Tom Woods are all proud of that URL. Uh, but yeah, Nate and Charlie are great guys. And uh, as I mentioned, they are not just fans of the show. They are not just fellow podcasters. They are they are patrons of this program as well. And they are actually above the any level, above $50 a month. But anybody at $50 a month will get in line. And as long as you've been on the Patreon for three months or more at that level, you will eventually get to produce a show of your own. They chose to come on and have some drinks and talk healthcare with me, and we had a blast doing that. Uh, Something else I want to mention before I go, because I do have to self-promote at some point here. I actually have another podcast launching soon. This is a podcast that is not libertarian. uh, It is not political at all, although I am who I am, so things will probably come out in some way, shape, or form on their own. You know me, guys. I go on rants. Things get crazy. Things get weird. I like to talk about liberty, but this is not a liberty podcast. This is actually a comic book podcast that I am starting with, coincidentally, or maybe not, another libertarian, a guy you are probably familiar with if you've been a fan of this show, if you've been around the libertarian podcast circuit for a while, that is none other than Remzo W. Martinez. His other show is on the run over on the We Are Libertarians network. I was actually just on that show a couple weeks ago talking about my dip into expatriate life while I was in Mexico for a few months. But now Remzo and I have joined forces to start the second print comics podcast. This will be releasing on August 5th, 2020, just two days before I turn 40 years old. I'm celebrating my birthday by launching a new podcast. This has been a pet project of mine that I've had in my mind for some time now. And while I was on furlough from my day job, while I had some time to myself for a few months, sometimes to really focus on some things and to put more effort into the things I wanted to, I decided to put all my effort, along with Remzo's effort, of course, into creating this podcast. And this is basically a a whimsical look, you could say, at the comic book characters, stories, Stories and series that inspired us. Remzo and myself are both longtime comic book fans from different generations. I've got a, a few years on the young lad, uh, so we have different perspectives, different things that sort of inspired us to become comic book fans and uh, inspired us to become readers, inspired us to become deeper thinkers. Uh, these books have really had an influence on us, so we really wanted to do a dive into that and take listeners out there on that journey with us. So again, it is the second print comics podcast. It will be officially launching on August 5th. 2020. And if you want to give me a birthday present, if you want to celebrate with me, a great way to do that is just to give that show a shot. Whether you are a fan of comic books or not, whether you are a lapsed fan, or maybe you're someone who's just heard some things and wants to dip their toe in the water. Well, we're here to hold your hand and help you along that path. So please do follow us on Instagram at Second Print Pod, on Twitter at Second Print Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Second Print Comics Podcast. And we're not up on Apple Podcasts just yet because that does take a bit of time, but you can find us already on Spotify, already on Stitcher, and any day now we'll be up there on Apple Podcasts and available pretty much everywhere at that point. So that's my birthday wish, my friends. That is what I ask of you to 
just check out the Second Print Comics podcast. And of course, while I'm plugging away, don't forget to check out Brian and Odie's new, also non-political podcast, Bravo and Beer, where they, where they drink beer and watch Bravo shows, shows that I've never seen and I never planned to see, to be honest with you, but I love listening to these guys talk. Uh, if you're in our Patreon, if you've heard Degenerate Gamblers and uh, like the style of that show, where it's really just kicking back, telling a lot of old stories uh, from our college days and our young adulthood days and our current adulthood days, uh, they really have an awesome time. So if you're fans of libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor and our more laid back formats where we really just kick back and talk about anything and everything, then you're really going to enjoy Bravo and beer as well, especially if you are someone who perhaps has a significant other or is a significant other and watches some of that reality programming that I do not watch myself, but the show is very enjoyable in and of itself. So again, check out all of our new projects, Second Print Comics Podcast and uh, Brian and Odie and Rico over at Bravo and Beer. And of course, speaking of Brian and Odie, what else do those guys do? Well, if you're new to this show, I don't forget those guys are my other co-hosts, not my alternate co-hosts as Gene Epstein once referred to uh, Brian as, but as my other hosts here on Lions of Liberty, I, of course, am here every single week on the flagship show, interviewing leaders in the libertarian movement and sometimes just kicking back and having some drinks and talking liberty like I did today day where Brian shows up every Wednesday with his weekly shot of comedy culture and liberty on Electric Liberty Land, while Odie wraps things up every single Friday with his hard-hitting and inspiring look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. Until next time, my friends, live long and live free.